I think they have a real chance of winning it. I mean, but anytime you have to go on the road to Tuscaloosa, it's tough sledding. There's no denying that it's tough sledding. But tell me a roster with as few question marks in the SEC West as LSU. Hello and welcome in. Today is Wednesday, March 8th. And as you can see by my shirt, I am still on vacation. This is on tape. I'm still at Disney World, and at this point, I've done three consecutive days at the parks with a child under five. So keep me in your thoughts today as you navigate your day. I hope you're having a wonderful day, and we hope that this podcast is hitting you in a wonderful spot. Whether that's on the ESPN YouTube channel or if it's here with us via the podcast, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. We are continuing on with our spring previews. And today, we have a nice mix of teams that have both significant expectations and some teams that are hoping to get back to their winning ways. And we're going to preview for the springtime one of the worst teams in the Power Five from a year ago. Will they be a bottom dweller yet again? We will tell you. Today's group of teams includes two teams that would consider each other rivals. With LSU and Arkansas, they battle for the boot. They're going to battle for time here on a Wednesday edition of Always College Football. Kansas State, a former Big 12 champion, will be previewed today along with Oregon State, who's hoping to take the next step and potentially get to the Pac-12 championship for the first time under Jonathan Smith. And then finally, we will have Northwestern. We'll talk about Northwestern. They were 1-11 last year. Only one direction to go for the Wildcats. So let's not waste any additional time. Let's talk about it. The defending Big 12 champs, the Kansas State Wildcats, got back on the field yesterday to kick off their spring practice. Biggest question for Kansas State this year, it should be fairly obvious. How do you replace Deuce Vaughn? And I'm not sure you can do it with one specific player. And if you look at where they were, and they were number two last year, in the Big 12 in rushing yards per game. They were third in yards per rush, and they've clearly acknowledged that they have a significant void there at running back. Look, Deuce is going to be a great pro. Love that guy. I think he's an awesome, awesome football player, and his versatility will be almost impossible to replicate. A guy rushed for nearly 3,000 yards in his career, really over the last two years. And added more than 1,900 yards from scrimmage in 2022 alone. So, yes, Will Howard's back. Yes, you are going to have a couple guys that you have to replace at wide receiver. Cade Warner's gone. Malik Knowles is gone. But either way, I feel like the passing attack under Will Howard's going to be just fine. I think that they'll have wide receivers that should be pretty good. You go on, you add Phillip Brooks and the Iowa transfer, Keegan Johnson, and you should be in a pretty good spot with some experience on the perimeter to continue with that passing attack. But the running back position, the position that was arguably the most important to Kansas State's success last year, yeah, the holes that Deuce Vaughn's going to leave in the backfield will not be easily replicated. Now, they went to the portal, and they got Treshawn Ward from Florida State. He is a former top 100 back prospect back in 2019. And if you look at what happened with Treshawn Ward at Florida State, it's not like he was replaced because of poor play. Just 
He wasn't Trey Benson. And they needed, with Trey Benson's physical rushing style, they needed that home run threat alongside him. So Lawrence Toafili got most of those touches. It was never that Treshawn Ward wasn't good. Just he wasn't crazy dynamic. Treshawn Ward is going to get you the hard yardage. He's going to be able to make your offensive line right. He's going to pick the right hole. But he doesn't have 4-2 speed. He can't necessarily take it the distance. And that's okay. Just be able to consistently churn out those five-yard runs, those six-yard runs, those eight-yard runs, and those four-yard runs, and you'll be just fine. He's not the only guy that's vying for the position, still trying to figure out exactly how DJ Giddens is going to factor in. Now, he was the backup last year and was a sophomore, had 518 yards last year when Deuce needed a little bit of a break. Can he be the guy that's kind of an every down back? We're going to find out. I think him alongside Ward should make for a nice one-two punch, but I think the spring should be used to figure out what's the pecking order going to be and what are the rep distributions going to be like from guy to guy. Either way, that's by far and away the biggest question mark for Kansas State offensively. On the defensive side, yes, you have a few guys to replace up front. It will not be easy to replace Huggins. It will not be ready easy to replace the edge presence that they had last year. But either way, just looking at how well coached that group is at all three levels, I think they're going to be just fine on that side of the ball. Will they have takeover the game, guys? As of right now, we just don't know. But I know collectively as a group on defense, they should be pretty good. So if I'm Chris Kleiman, I'm evaluating my team heading into the spring. Number one, adequately plug some of those holes on defense. And then number two, I got to figure out who is my running back going to be? And how do I want to distribute the reps between the two guys vying for the position? All right, bold prediction. For Kansas State heading into spring ball, the Wildcats will win the Big 12 again. It's bold. I'm going to say I don't agree with it. Last year, I just really liked their collection of what they had front seven defensively. Like I said a moment ago, I think they'll adequately be able to fill some of those voids. I just don't know if they'll be able to do it to the extent that they were able to do it last year. And... I, as much as I love Will Howard, and I think he's got a chance to be, have a really nice season, I think it's going to be a lot tougher without those known commodities on the perimeter, with those reliable guys on the perimeter, and without the most versatile player, arguably, in the last 20 years, not named Darren Sproles for Kansas State. So I think it's going to be very difficult to replace those pieces. So I'm going to say that Kansas State takes a slight step back from where they were a year ago, but they'll still be an upper echelon Big 12 team no doubt about it. Oregon State Beavers. What a job Jonathan Smith has done at his alma mater. They had a 10-3 and season a year ago. And in that 10-3 and season, they had two games in which they lost by three points. So they were this close, this close to being a team that was legitimately in the college football playoff conversation. Let's talk about where they're at right now. We all know that this is a team that wants to pound the football. We all know this is a team that wants to establish the line of scrimmage. We all know that the defense is going to be pretty good as well. They're going to be really physical. They're going to be really good. They're going to be really well coached. But we don't know as of right now is how is DJ Uyunglele going to look in an Oregon State uniform? 
That's by far and away question number one, two, maybe three for Oregon State heading into the spring. Look, you have a quarterback situation. You have DJ Uyunglele, who, of course, transfers over from Clemson. Just needed a fresh start. Talent has never been the question for DJ Uyunglele. Sure, it wasn't always on display in the last two seasons. Why? I'm not 100% sure. He was a little spotty with his accuracy. Ball didn't rotate off of his hand the way it did in 2020. Go back, though, and watch him play in 2020. Those two spot starts, they weren't perfect. Against Boston College, he made a mistake or two. But against Notre Dame, the following week was pretty dang impressive. If he can be that guy, Oregon State is a major problem and a major headache in the Pac-12. Because you finally might have a guy that can marry up the run with the pass that's going to be able to push the ball downfield off of heavy play action. Because we know this team is going to be heavily emphasized on controlling the line of scrimmage and running the football. All you need is a quarterback that can flat out keep you honest. You don't need a guy that's going to take over the game. So DJ Uyunglele is going to be in a position in which he's not having to shoulder the load. He's not going to be feeling the pressure. And maybe if he wins this quarterback competition against Ben Golberson, the incumbent from last year, this offense could go to the next level. Either way, whether it's Golberson or Uyunglele, they're going to push each other throughout the course of the next 15 practices. And much like we talked about with other programs over the last handful of shows, I don't think you need to declare right now. You also have a 2023 freshman in Aiden Childs. Will he be the guy potentially? Probably not. But either way, you rep those guys evenly throughout the course of the spring. And then in the summer, you narrow it down to two. And then in the fall, you carry those two all the way through game one, then figure out who the hot hand's going to be as you get into the season. But by far and away, question number one, and really the only question I have for Oregon State at this point of the offseason, who's your quarterback going to be? And if it is DJ Uyunglele, how good can this offense be? It's the sound to start selling on Shopify. Shopify covers every sales channel from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform. It even lets you sell across social media marketplaces like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. Packed with industry-leading tools ready to ignite your growth, Shopify gives you complete control over your business and your brand without having to learn any new skills in design or code. And thanks to 24-7 help and an extensive business course library, Shopify is there to support your success every step of the way. Now it's your turn to get serious about selling and try Shopify today. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash ACF. All lowercase, go to shopify.com slash ACF to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash ACF. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play.
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. An offense that has struggled really the last couple of years has been Northwestern. They've been painfully, painfully inconsistent. Probably as bad last year as they've ever been under Pat Fitzgerald. And it doesn't appear like things are going to immediately wave the magic wand and get them a whole lot better. They're 1-11 last year. You fired the defensive coordinator, Jim O'Neill. You fired the defensive line coach, Marty Long. Your wide receivers coach, Dennis Springer. You go and you kind of throw caution to the wind as far as your staff is concerned. Now everybody's on notice. You go to the FCS ranks to hire the defensive coordinator from North Dakota State in David Braun. You also go and hire a defensive line coach from South Dakota State in Christian Smith, and you go to Youngstown State to get Armin Benz, who was the wide receiver coach at Youngstown State. So you went down to the FCS, clearly recognized guys that were doing things a little differently, guys that were doing a pretty good job with their respective position group or their respective side of the ball at the FCS level. This is not totally uncharted territory, but it does feel a little bit different for Pat Fitzgerald, a guy that has been so stable and so steady for quite a while. After what was a rock bottom moment last year, they decided to completely upend what they were doing on both sides of the ball. Will be very interesting. A lot of people have talked about, well, you know, the offense has struggled. Sure, the offense has definitely struggled, but defensively has always been where Northwestern has been competitive. And it was pretty amazing to think that after just one win and a defense that allowed 28 points per game last season, which was 12th, I might add, in the Big Ten, they got a lot of things to iron out on that side of the ball. You also lose a couple of key pieces offensively in Peter Skaronsky, who's likely going to be a top 10 pick at offensive tackle, and you lose your running back, Evan Hall. So they have a lot that they need to figure out on both sides of the ball. So this is, I would say, without being a prisoner of the moment, this might be the most important spring of Pat Fitzgerald's tenure. And it's been a remarkable tenure, at least for the last 15, 16, 17 years. The Bayou Bengals head into year number two of the Brian Kelly era feeling really, really good about what they bring back. They should, I might add, because you could make a case right now. They bring back one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC and Jaden Daniels with how he was playing down the stretch. You bring back one of the better wide receivers in the SEC in Malik Neighbors. You bring back one of the most disruptive defenders, not just in the SEC, but in the entire country in Harold Perkins. And you bring back from injury last year, Mason Smith, the defensive tackle, who was, if you talked to Brian Kelly before the season, he said he was their best overall player. And he got hurt on the first series of the game against Florida State in week number one. So we never really got to see what he was at any point last year. But this guy is a take-over-the-game difference maker on the interior of the defensive line. LSU fans should be really fired up about what this team could do this year. You think about where they were at the beginning of last season and think about how much better they got. Well, what's Brian Kelly going to do now that he understands his personnel the expectations within the building have been clearly established. The culture has been clearly established. And the guys responded beautifully throughout the course of last year. Yeah, there were some disappointing moments. The game against Texas A&M, remarkably disappointing. 
But either way, they should be in really good shape. One big question that I have for LSU is that even after a year in which they were really good, winning the SEC West ahead of schedule, winning as many games as they did, all the positives that came with year one with Brian Kelly, his relentless pursuit of a championship continued on. Look at how aggressive they got going out into the portal and trying to bring in key difference makers on both sides of the ball. You go get a big-time defensive transfer from Oregon State and Omar Spates. You go and get quality defensive back additions in Denver Harris, J.K. Johnson, Deuce Chestnut, and Zy McDonald. You clearly recognize that your back seven defensively is not up to the standard that we've come to expect from LSU. So you made it a huge priority. I just referenced, you get Denver Harris from Texas A&M. He'll likely lock down at least one of the corner spots, you would assume. You go and get Deuce Chestnut from Syracuse. You go and get J.K. Johnson from Ohio State. And you go and get Zy Alexander from Southeastern Louisiana. That's four guys to fill two spots, maybe three, depending on how you want to align and you're based down and distance defensively. I think you're probably going to be a nickel most of the time, just looking at how things are. So you need three quality corners. You go out and you got four, and they add that to a pool of already pretty decent corners, not elite, but decent corners that contributed last year as underclassmen. I already referenced the fact that Omar Spates, a ball-hawking linebacker at the second level, could be an impact player there alongside Harold Perkins off the ball. Should be a really nice addition. That wasn't the only moves they made. You go get Ogi Agofu from Texas. He's going to line up off the ball, might play a little edge. He's going to be a guy that they rely on heavily. You go get a defensive tackle from West Virginia in Jordan Jefferson. You go get a defensive tackle from Florida in Jalen Lee, and you get a defensive end from Arizona in Paris Shan. They were very aggressive in going out and making sure that they added key positions in the portal, 11 to be exact, that might be able to become day one starters. Very impressed with what they did already. Now, there are some question marks a little bit about some of the decisions that were made. For instance, Denver Harris from A&M had a couple suspensions last year from Texas A&M, has a five-star ability, but is the maturity there? You have to wonder, but I happen to think it probably will be given the fact that he's getting a fresh start at a new place. You look at some of the other places, man. We know, we know that there is not going to be a whole lot of issues as it relates to the talent on the roster. We know that. But still going to be very interested to see the depth on the roster because this team last year at times was pretty dang thin. But you look at the young players they already started with last year. And Neighbors was a sophomore. You had two true freshman offensive tackles. You're bringing another offensive tackle that might start day one as a true freshman because he's a five-star dude as well. You got some issues at running back that you had injuries, guys in and out of the lineup, got to iron out the pecking order there at running back, but they should be better than they were a year ago. Quarterback should be better than they were a year ago. Receiver, maybe not as talented because Kayshawn Booty excuse me, has decided to depart for the NFL, but he was up and down last year and wasn't a real dependable piece. Malik Neighbors is a difference maker, game changer perhaps at wide receiver. Then you have some other young guys on the perimeter that will be stepping up as well, including Mason Taylor 
at tight end. And then on defense, we've already talked about it. You got to replace quality edge piece in BJ Ojolari, but you bring back the best defensive tackle in the SEC, maybe in the country. You bring back maybe the best playmaker defensively in the entire country in Harold Perkins. You just really made the secondary a huge point of emphasis by going out and getting difference makers at corner that could contribute immediately. This roster is ready and primed to compete yet again for the SEC West. So you got to feel really good if you're LSU with the key additions and with the culture and the expectation that has been established by Brian Kelly in the last calendar year. All right, bold prediction for LSU then. The Tigers win the SEC West again. Could be in a position this year to compete for the West again. Now, I still think a road trip to Tuscaloosa will be really difficult. I think the SEC West this year actually has a chance to be stronger. I think a going to be better. I think Alabama has a chance to be just as good. I think Arkansas is going to level off just a little bit. I think Ole Miss is a bit of a question mark, maybe slightly up, especially with the addition of Spencer Sanders. Mississippi State, huge question mark. Don't know if they're going to be up. Don't know if they're going to be down. They obviously catch Florida as their crossover opponent. That should be a win. LSU's way ahead of schedule relative to where Billy Napier and the Florida roster is right now. So I think they have a real chance of winning it. I mean, but anytime you have to go on the road to Tuscaloosa, it's tough sledding. There's no denying that it's tough sledding. But tell me a roster with as few question marks in the SEC West as LSU. Assuming guys get healthy, assuming some of their immediate additions via the portal pan out, they should be really well positioned to be even more competitive than they were a year ago. So I am really optimistic about the direction of this program. I am really optimistic about what they could do in 2023. But when you start to look beyond 2023, that's when you start to think, man, the sky's the limit for what Brian Kelly could create there in Baton Rouge. To the other end of the boot trophy, the Arkansas Razorbacks are underway tomorrow as they have 25 players that have departed the roster from last year, several of which still not even sure exactly where they're going to go. Total look for the Razorbacks. They lost both coordinators, obviously. Kendall Bryles is gone, as is Barry Odom. Kendall Bryles went to TCU. Barry Odom went to become the head coach at UNLV. A lot of question marks and a lot of turnover for Sam Pittman. Now, they bring back a familiar face to become the offensive coordinator. With Bryles leaving, it opened it up. They bring back Dan Enos, who was previously at Maryland. He's really good with the quarterback situation. He's been good, hands-on with quarterbacks in the past at many different stops. You would think he's going to do a nice job with KJ Jefferson. What will the system look like? Are they going to implement some of the quarterback run stuff that they did at Maryland? Are they going to implement some of the quarterback run stuff that they did last year? Are they going to use some of the things that he used in his time in Tuscaloosa? Dan Enos is well-traveled. He's been around. What is the offense going to look like? That's one of the biggest questions that I have. The next biggest question, we already talked about it already. You look at Arkansas, they had 25 guys that left, whether it be by graduation or by portal. That's a significant portion of the roster. And it's not like these were just run-of-the-mill depth players. This was Jalen Catalan, who going into last year, 
was a preseason All-American at safety. He's now going to be playing for the Texas Longhorns. Trey Knox, who at tight end slash wide receiver was a nice matchup creator for Kendall Bryles. He is now transferred to South Carolina. You lose Keytron Jackson at wide receiver. You lose the defensive end Jordan Dominic, who was a pretty good player there off the edge for the Razorbacks the last couple of years. You lose another safety in Miles Slusher. He's at Colorado with Jordan Dominic. You lose Simeon Blair, who transferred to Memphis, and Isaiah Nichols, big body there in the interior. He's going to be going to Purdue. So you lose a lot of really solid. I'm not going to say that you had any mega game changers there. Catalan would be the one that was a complete game changer, but he wasn't available very often the last couple of years. He'd been banged up, not just in 22, but also a little bit banged up in 2021. Now, Sam Pittman did a pretty good job of trying to restock the roster. It wasn't easy, but I think they did an adequate job. They went out and they're rolling the dice on a couple of receivers from smaller schools. You go out and get Andre Armstrong from Texas A&M Commerce. What's he going to be? We'll find out. Tyrone Broden from Bowling Green. We'll find out with him. Isaac Tesla. He's from Hillsdale College. We'll find out with him. I mean, three guys that we just don't know what those guys are going to be here as wide receivers. I'm cautiously optimistic, but I just don't know at this point. But they didn't just do it on the offensive side. They also made going and trying to get defensive players a high priority, and they got a couple of real difference makers. You go and get Trajan Jeffcoat from Missouri, who at times has been one of the most dominant edge presences in the SEC. I mean, pretty significant that he's going to be able to be a part of that defensive line. You know, you're going to miss Dominic, but at least you can kind of plug his absence with a guy that has real high-level SEC experience. I mean, Dominic had seven and a half sacks last year, so it's not ideal, but he wanted to go play for Dion and Prime. Totally get that. They really need to figure out, Arkansas does, the back end of their defense. Because when Catalan got hurt early last year, the secondary fell apart. It was long documented they were one of the worst secondaries in America. They have got to get that position ironed out. Does seem like they've made it a high priority. You go out, you get a corner from Baylor and Lorando Johnson. You also get another Baylor safety in Al Walcott. You have to make sure that that secondary is shored up because if they're not, they're going to be, they're going to get crushed again in the back end because of some of the passing attacks they will see in not just the SEC West, but the SEC as a whole. So the passing game is really good, scattered throughout the league. You don't want to be weak in the secondary and you don't want to be weak with your pass rush. It does feel like things are going to be okay for Arkansas. They did an adequate job of plugging to voids, but there are some legit question marks heading into this spring. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. 
Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. As always, we get into our mailbag now. Please continue to send great questions. We so appreciate your contributions to the show. We'll promise to continue to check off some of these questions as we go along. And by the way, when you send in a question, tell us your name and where you're from. That's all we need. Just your name and where you're from. That'd be huge so we can give you a shout out on the air in a future episode. We have a handful of questions that we want to get to today, and you can continue to send them to us at alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. So we really appreciate that. Coops, let's kick it off. Tammy in Alabama asks, do you see new NCAA president Charlie Baker having any influence on college football in his tenure? No. Um, as much as I appreciate the idea of the NCAA and I applaud the NCAA, I am not an NCAA hater. Uh, I think the NCAA provides a lot of good. I know that people have criticized them and criticized Mark Emmert, but the NCAA, they served their purpose. They were supposed to be a punching bag. That's what, that's what they are. Uh, they want to be a punching bag in the court of public opinion. That's fine. But what I acknowledge with the NCAA is that they provided a lot of opportunities for friends of mine to compete in non-revenue generating sports. They off, they allowed friends of mine to compete for championships and they redistributed funds that they and profits from those championships to several schools and provided a platform. So I, I don't have as much of a problem with the NCAA as everyone else. They're great for the basketball tournament for both men and women. They're great for baseball tournament for softball tournament, for all the other championships that they oversee, they're great. They do a great job. Don't touch football. Like football is its own world now. Like don't mess with it. It's not you have no business here. The commissioners are best suited to make decisions on behalf of the teams. And the teams are best suited to make decisions on behalf of the players. Like I don't need the NCAA meddling in football anymore. Like Greg Sankey, the future commissioner of the Big Ten, the future commissioner of the AACC, Jim Phillips, you know, Brett Yormark, George Klyovkov, like those guys are very well equipped to handle football. NCAA, we don't need your bureaucracy. We don't need your red tape. Like take your government and put it elsewhere. Focus your attention on the sports that you are directly involved with and directly oversee their postseason. And don't touch us. We're just fine. Frank in Charlotte asks, can you explain the Nick Saban rehab project to us? Charlie Strong, the latest of so many former coaches, having absolutely no problem going to Alabama to work under Saban to stay in the game. Will any coach ever have that kind of pull again within college football? Well, it's a little bit of a tricky question because when you look at the quote rehab projects, guys have gotten jobs more at a higher clip having worked as an analyst at Alabama than at most other places. Now I don't have it line by line. Like if you sent me a list of say, you know, analysts at Oklahoma, have they placed just as many? I have no idea. I, but I get the sense that 
Steve Sarkeesian was at one point an analyst at Alabama. Mike Loxley was at one point an analyst at Alabama. Uh, Todd Grantham was at one point analyst at Alabama. Charles Kelly at one point an analyst at Alabama. I mean, you just look, it's a long, long, long list of current head coaches, of current coordinators, of current big-time coaches that have been through that, quote, rehabilitation process. And I think the guy that I actually probably got the most out of as it relates to the reclamation process was my conversation with Butch Jones a few years ago. He was at Alabama as an analyst after having been the head coach at Tennessee. He's talked, I would talk to him before games, during warmups, what have you. And he would tell me all the different things he learned under Nick Saban and things that he never thought about or knew about or considered as a head coach prior to being at Alabama. Now, is that ultimately going to lead to future success? I don't know, but I know it makes you very attractive as a potential candidate to fill a void somewhere else. So I don't blame Charlie Strong at all. And I don't know if there will be a, a coach situation where so many guys go down there and work. By the way, I think Alabama can also pay those analysts better than most places. So that probably helps make the decision a little bit easier as well. But yeah, I mean, people only take those jobs because it's a launch pad into a bigger opportunity. And the past would indicate that if you go there as an analyst, you're going to be in a pretty good situation within a year or two. Thanks so much for being with us. We so appreciate it. Continue to help us out with our mailbag, alwayscollegefootball at gmail.com. And it also helps us out when you like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. Or if you're here with us via the YouTube channel, hit that thumbs up button right below the video. We so appreciate you guys being with us. We hope you're enjoying spring football as much as we are. We'll continue to update you with some quarter quarterback competitions, some other competitions coming up in the recent weeks. So a lot that we still need to unpack as it relates to the spring season. Plus, we have so many more spring previews to get to here over the next couple weeks as well. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. Hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, it's Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.